0: welcome everybody to the safina society podcast today we got uh, one of our good old friends mikhail ahmed smith he's not old he's very young but uh, alhamdulillah we have a long time friendship he's a very young man he's uh, out of buffalo new york but uh, he was swallowed up in this in the uh, vacuum uh, for muslims that is texas uh it's like every, every two years every two weeks something Uh, We know, somebody we know uh, is lured to the, I guess it's the taxes or something, or the land, (laughs) cheaper or something, and they all go down to Texas, but uh, alhamdulillah, he's with us, though, and we're probably going to bring him back to the, he's from Buffalo, New York, we're going to bring him back eventually, right, because nobody (laughs) stays there forever, they stay up there to save up some, and then they got to come back to real life and real civilization, so inshallah, we'll bring him back. Uh, and we're going to talk today about the Prophet wasalam, specifically his habit of listening. Now, I want to just say one observation that's an amazing observation to think about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, which is Allah." Just to show you the rank of the Prophet. Allah reveals this surah in which he says, Allah has heard the one who who complains to you about her husband or or not or or discusses with you her husband and complains to Allah. Hmm. Allah in, the, in this ayah has linked going to the Prophet is going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the respect of you, you only go to the person of Muhammad because he's Rasulullah. Right? And this is almost like all right. So for those who want to understand the rank of the Prophet, peace be upon him, anytime that a Muslim directs attention to the Prophet, peace be upon him, Allah views it as that he is coming to me. Why? Because he is the human messenger of Allah. Right? And we would not have otherwise gone to the messenger except if it was for the sake of Allah, right? And that's very much like any time that someone complains to an imam. And I remember some while back, a young man came, stopped me, said, I need to talk. We sat for 40 minutes talking and he was in tears because he was addicted to something. Hmm. And he's talking to me because that's just like the person that he associates that who could help me in my Struggle, right? Who can help me in my struggle between me and Allah? So, his struggle is between him and Allah, but he's just going to the person that in his mind symbolizes. So, Allah is telling us that whoever goes to the Messenger, whoever devotes his time to the Prophet, whoever devotes his dhikr and salawats to the Prophet, peace be upon him, any of that is in fact traveling to Allah. So, I just wanted to open with that because it's an ayah. That many people recite often and don't realize that Allah has linked the fact that she went to the Prophet and he says, she's complaining to me. Because anyone who devotes any time to the Messenger, in fact, he's devoting that time, and that energy to Allah himself. Mm. Because that's the only reason you would go there. Just like someone who's going to Mecca, he can say, I'm going to Allah. Right? Mm. In other words, so that's just an opening uh, statement and now our, our guest, if you don't know who Sheikh Mikhail Ahmed Smith is, converted to Islam when he was just a young youth. In uh, It's one of my favorite personal expressions, young youth. Uh, in, it's it's a very
1: Wu-Tang of you, Sheikh. <laughs> I don't know about What, what is the reference to? It's, it's, in, it's, it, it's in one of the songs. Oh, okay. I don't know. So
0: uh, he, he's from Buffalo. He becomes Muslim at a very young age and then he ends up studying in Darul Ulum in Buffalo yeah, yeah Darul Ulum Buffalo not, not many converts are told okay first thing you say the shahada the second thing you enroll into six year adam course but, <laughs> no no tahfeez Quran first
2: man <laughs> the quran first three, yeah quran. 3
0: years of that man 3 years quran. Uh, alhamdulillah and uh, then he graduated so 7 years later and then he, then he discovered, oh, you mean doing that seven-year Adam course was optional? <laughs> I thought that's part of being a Muslim, right? <laughs> so in any event, he ends up becoming, mashallah, Allah fast-tracked him. And uh, he then was, uh, worked as an imam in Baltimore. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then he got uh, uh, another teaching position in Texas where he works in uh, the Qalam Institute. And he wrote a, a book called uh, The Prophetic... With, with the Heart and Mind with the heart and mind but it's the uh emotional intelligence of the prophet the moral and emotional the moral, moral and- good moral yeah. and emotional intelligence of the prophet sallallahu yeah. and he's coming out with a second book a follow-up on that and this podcast yeah. is going to talk about that follow-up so i'm done talking let's turn it over to you tell us about your book uh
2: bismillah arrahman rahim alhamdulillah wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah uh, Khair, man, you know, I'm so uh, you know, honored to be with you guys, man. Uh just as a fan of the podcast, you know, what I mean, uh, just someone who always benefits. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, just my, my my friends that I would ride back to home ride home with, you know, on the bus and kick it with, you know, I think a lot of American Muslims around the country, they feel like they know y'all. You know what I mean? It's like these are my boys, you know. And <laughs> And I you want to say, jazakumullah khair. Because it, you're you're providing a service, you're providing community um, for those who don't have community, right? Um, and it's grounded community too. It's 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 prophetically grounded. You know what I mean? So it's not some like, you know, crazy community. It, it's grounded in prophetic uh, ideals. And so uh, it's it's great to be you know here with you guys t- uh, this evening. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking this evening about the book that I'm working on right now, which is kind of like the follow-up to uh, the emotional intelligence book. And, you know, we, we never got a chance to kind of unpack the whole uh, concept behind emotional intelligence, but I just kind of briefly want to just uh, put out there some aspects of emotional intelligence within the prophetic concept of akal or intellect. Hmm. So the basic premise uh, of the first book is that the, there's the the messenger has a message but the messenger was also given the understanding of human beings in order to pass on that message to other human beings um and so i think one of the impetus behind writing this book was i i noticed that dawa had become very uh robotic very like i would say like programmer language type stuff like this is it this is the huck, bro just take it like you don't get it like <laughs> like, like, that's it. Like, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're dealing with rational, you're dealing with not just rational human beings, but emotional human beings. And so um, this led to me going deeper into this emotional intelligence. And uh, eventually, alhamdulillah, like the book came together. And the idea is that the Prophet wasallam was divinely endowed with deep understanding of human beings on an emotional level, in order to facilitate and make it easy for him to unlock the hearts and pass that message on. Um, now, there are obviously still going to be people who choose like, no, nah, I don't want it. But for the most part, from our side, the the hujja, as we say, is tam, right? So that means basically, uh, like, the proof of accountability has been established. And so my, my premise is that if the Prophet wasalam, had not been given that high caliber of emotional intelligence, then it's fathomable or conceivable to say that people could come on Yom al but like I didn't get the message, right? Because giving that message requires more than just dropping it at the doorstep. You know, it's, 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 a, you know, it's a certified package. You know what I mean? It's the joint you got to sign for, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the one that just gets dropped at the door. And so I began to like, you know, research, go deeper into this emotional intelligence and, and side by side as I'm my, my knowledge, whatever little knowledge of the sharia I have, I'm like, yo, look, this is beautiful. This this is the prophet already. Um, and so that first book was basically just presenting to the Muslim audience that this is a new way for you to appreciate the brilliance of Muhammad. That's it. This is a new way for you to appreciate the brilliance of Muhammad Saeed Um, I think I, I'm sure everyone in this group can kind of resonate. You know, I'm I was the type, and I'm the type. You walk through Barnes and Noble, you you pick up a nice book or whatever, and Borders, and then you have to Islamify that. You know what I mean? You got to make it Muslim. You know, yeah. go ahead, yes, yeah,
0: Shaykh. So one of the things I was looking at how to classify this knowledge is uh, how to deal with people is an observable. It's observable knowledge. It's experiential knowledge, right? And so that's also one of the things that the, that Allah inspired his messenger with. Because it's needed, as you said, to transmit the message. Mm. And and to be likable is a condition to be listened to. Mm. And, obeyed. Mm. and the Quran says, mm. If you were harsh and hard-hearted, they would have left. So it's not just about uh, uh, the proofs, such as okay, I split the moon, I bring you this, you couldn't bring me the Quran. These are the rational proofs or the 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 miraculous proofs of prophethood. But it's not just that; it's the prophet was very likable. Yeah, yeah. Can can I add to that? Oh, go ahead, Elias. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's
1: it's it's among the conditions. The 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 of being a prophet Mm. is attractiveness physically.
3: Yeah. Yeah. free
1: freedom from 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 disgusting diseases, mm. right? Uh, eloquence in speech, uh-huh. these are these are required. These are among the attributes that are necessary for prophets. Yeah, to have. so <laughs> Allah would not make that the case if it wasn't important. If it was just the message is good enough for you. Uh,
2: Subhanallah, that's beautiful. That's be- you know you mentioned Dr. Shadi about the experience. Yeah. Um, So Imam Suha Wadiu, okay, Imam Suha Wadiu, he has this brilliant quote. Um, where he basically, I'm saying really quick, he basically says, whoever studies the Prophet Saiyala's life and yeah. how he interacted with the Arabs, and he explains how the Arabs were at that time. We're talking really hood people. I mean, all, all due respect, like, and, and I hope the you know our listeners don't misconstrue what I'm trying to say, but like these were rough people, man. These were rough, these were rough cats, man. Like they 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 their hearts were hard. Their yeah. Hearts were hard. And in order to make them an empathetic people. In order to make them messengers of the messenger, there had to be a complete revolution. Now, Imam Sahar says, if you just study his management of the Arabs, this is exactly what he says. He's like, you will come to the conclusion that he is the most intelligent of God's creation. Now, you said something deep. You said... This is a knowledge that's learned through experience. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which is not, you know, it's not the Bronx, but it's still hood, you know what I mean? It's not New York, it's not Jersey, my bad. It's not north, it's not north Jersey, you know. I mean? It's not north Jersey, you know, but it ain't, you know, it ain't, you know, South Jersey either, you know what I mean? The point is, you know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's somewhere in the middle. So I learned street smarts. I learned how to walk past a drug house. I learned how to walk past a you know, someone trying to, you know, just, you know, poke at you. I learned that through experience. You know what I mean? But here's the deal. Where did the Prophet Sallallahu get prior, prior, prior experience? He didn't have one-on-one management class. Let's learn yeah. these before you get your ummah. And he you
0: know, didn't have room for mistakes. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Like if, if it's something, ex- it's about experience, then you could say, like, when, whenever there's someone who's really successful, say, oh, he's an overnight sensation. And then someone says, no, no, he's been at it for like 10 years. He's mm-hmm. just been making so many mistakes in, you know, the lower levels of things. Like trial and the- error. What's that? The trial and error. Yeah, trial mm-hmm. and error. Uh, like the Beatles, they worked in some grungy bar for four years. No one ever heard of them. But mm-hmm. they got good there because they learned there, right? So, But with The Messenger, his life is an open book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no room for error once those 23 years begin. And that's why I said, Abu Bakr said, I went to Persia. I traveled to the Byzantines and I've seen the most sophisticated people. I know that we don't have that here in Arabia. Mm. So how did you learn this? exactly right and that's one of his biggest proofs of prophethood yeah amazing amazing so so that was
2: kind of it you know I, I there's a lot behind that there's a lot to discuss because you know there's body language there's nonverbal communication I think we could really discuss what does it mean right that 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 means an emotional level of understanding because lisan you can know Arabic and not understand any jokes or poetry in Arabic you Don't know the Lisan, right? Because yeah. emotion is the deeper level of language. Like so, 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 so there's so much back behind there. And one more thing, I think when we say there was no room for mistakes, I think some of our listeners may think about Abbas yeah. Um, and, and I think what we find is there were small lapses in the emotional intelligence that were fixed and 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 corrected, as there were other mistakes. There were other mistakes, like the prisoners of Badr. Right, yeah. so whatever was not a major aib, it was an ijtihadi mistake. Then there was room for the for the prophet to make a mistake there and be corrected. Right, so you know, just I, I know we use a lot of terms sometimes. Listeners, they're like, "What do you mean abasa I'm referring to the time when the prophet sallallahu alaihi was giving dawa to some of the you know head leaders of the Quraysh, and then a poorer blind man came uh, uh, talking to the prophet sallallahu alaihi and he kind of you know, focused on those he was trying to give dawah to, um, you know, that may be a, an example of a lapse somewhat. And the, the Quran is calling that out in a in a, in a way, I'm trying to say it with as much respect as possible, right? Uh, because nowadays people take it lightly to uh, not give the Prophet sorry, some of the respect necessary, but-
0: um, Well, one of the ways too that uh, that's looked at is that the Prophet peace be upon him was choosing and you wanted to do the harder job, mm. which is to convince people who are rejecting you. To, to pay attention to uh, the Sahabi Abdullah ibn Ummah Maktoum, Maktoum, was the easier job, right? Mm. He wanted to do the harder job. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa Just as Allah says, mm. You are uh, uh, working so hard, you're exhausting yourself and upsetting yourself, right? That's actually uh, can be interpreted as being for the prophet. In other words, saying you are doing so much, leave this difficult one. All right, he's difficult. Whoever was Abu Ja'had that he was, or Abu, uh, I can't remember who it was. He was sitting with from the uh, Quraysh. Yeah, yeah, I'm not leave sure. Leave him, yeah. leave him. All right, and turn yourself to the one who already believes in you. Right. Mm. So that's actually one way to view the. Uh, that's, That's beautiful.
1: Example. Actually, in, in and and anything that we ever see in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whether it's the one time when he uh, he woke up close to the end of 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 the time of Surah, right? Yeah. Um. All of this is all teachable. Yep. And every single incident that Allah created in 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 his life, sallallahu was so that we would have a, a, the knowledge yeah. of what's better or how to deal with whatever circumstance comes up. Beautiful. So like in Abbasaw Watawala, right? The, the, there's lessons there. There's tremendous lessons. There's the focus. on. Mm-hmm. There's also the fact that the believer, no matter how apparently Dunyawi seems lowly, has a higher rank than even the highest ranked person of disbelief. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? And so w- there's lessons throughout all of it. And, and all of it is good for us um, in, mm-hmm. that we get from his life. And mm-hmm. now that he's in the Barzakh as well. And do you ever notice that uh, uh, when it's a
0: regular day in the masjid, everyone's fine, but as soon as there's some kind of um, local uh, person or maybe someone's interested in Islam, they're not Muslim, right. they come in, all the vibes change, right, usually against those types of people who come to the masjid who are
1: really devoted, but they're scrub. Like, every, every when every, the politician comes to yeah. ask you for yeah, his votes, yeah. it takes the minbar, yeah. and then they try to hide away the muskeen in the community. That's what the it is. That's what it is. I, I always think about, yeah. uh,
0: that's the most appropriate uh, mm. analogy. Yeah. Which Allah yeah. taught us from eternity. Okay, yes, it may be very, uh, or, or not from eternity, from the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, but in his eternal speech, is that, uh Yeah, it may be very beneficial If this person has a good view of Islam And becomes Muslim, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Or even
0: just has a good rapport with the Muslims But mm-hmm. not At the cost Of pushing aside So if you want to accept Islam This is the idea If you like us and you want to be part of us You will accept all of us Including our poor Who don't, mm-hmm. they don't know how They don't have the wealth to dress up They don't even know how to dress up Mm. right? You have to accept them. They're part of the team, right? And they're part of the family, and we're not hiding them away so that you can be happy, right? Mm. That's essentially one of our messages.
4: That's, I mean, that's a lesson that you can pretty much directly apply to today, right? In seeking it in, in people who seek acceptance from those who are never going to accept them at the expense of, you know, tending to the community that does accept you, right? A lot of you see you see that a lot today, and it's like you can take that lesson and pretty much wholesale apply it today if you can look at things through that lens.
1: And and the other beautiful part of it is it also lets us know that this is human nature, though. Yeah. Like the inclination is to do that is to try to reel in the big fish who's giving you a hard time. Yeah. um, And and focus on that. And this is it's so it's such a natural human inclination. So we don't have to chastise each other over it. Just remind each other gently about it. Yeah, Um, yeah. Although I'll say that there's one exception and in which when the, not to go off on too big of a tension, but when when we get people from outside the message coming in, man, I really wish there was an, an eloquent solution, an elegant solution to the shoe cubicles, man. I have the solution. What is it? And, and remember when we talked what to Sharif and, and we, yeah, we spent like we spent like an hour of the podcast that we cut out discussing yeah. solutions for shoe, shoe cubbies oh, because the pro- uh, I don't
0: get what the problem is though. What's the? I'll issue? tell you. Sharif in New York, he wanted to make this great big beautiful museum, right? Uh, so I said, well, there's going to be musalla there. What are you going to do about the shoes? The point being is this: you walk into a masjid, the immediate association, vis- visually, and olfactorily really. <laughs> <laughs> your nose and your eyes immediately it's shoes mm. yeah. the solution i we all i know the solution very well because i spent all my youth in rinks where do they put the shoes why don't you see shoes in hockey rinks
4: yeah I mean, we have an, they're an attendant locker room. It,
0: they're all the way in the back right and you you put your shoes there in the back and it's in a closed space in mm. new york city if you go to rockefeller center or one of those skating rinks in new york city where are the shoes? There is like a building, a little building in the back.
4: Or a bowling alley.
0: Or a bowling alley. Behind the rink, it's closed off, it's ventilated, it's the shoe area, right? You have to have an attendant, though. Yeah, you, you do need to have an attendant. So, well, so I guess you do need to have an attendant,
1: right? No, no, no maybe not. I guess people could walk all, all around the, the corner, yeah, do it, and there. then come back out. Exactly. You walk there. So, when you enter the mess, you should have a masala somewhere. You
0: should walk... Shoes should be tucked away somewhere in a separate room, completely men's room and women's room, right? And they should have an entrance and an exit. Yes, exactly.
2: And
1: then those reverse after the salon. Exactly. That's it.
2: They got they got That's a few it. spots like that down here in Dallas. Y'all should come through, yo. I mean, you
1: guys have room for everything, right? Uh, everything is bigger in Texas, including the massage. Yeah, it's
4: it's lot like they- of space up up in the northeast. <laughs> now, every no.
1: every inch of every inch of real yo, estate is valuable here, man. yo. You know,
2: you know how I knew they had space. Here's when I realized they had space in Texas. You yeah. ever been driving down the highway and miss your exit, right? Or you get yeah. off on an exit and you're trying to go back the other way, right? So you going southbound, right? And you need to you need to go northbound mm-hmm. so what do we do up north northeast we get off the exit go to the stop light turn left yep. then turn left again and yeah. get back on down yeah. here they got one lane just for that u-turn no no wow. light no nothing wow. i'm like that's how i knew i was like y'all got extra space y'all just
0: playing with space like you know i want to bring up a point for you here maybe you can expand on this i actually believe that people gravitate to whether it's uh, political leaders or friends or religious leaders spiritual leaders not by their arguments but by like emotional vibrations or emotional states so if you're angry no matter what you actually believe if you're an angry person for some reason or something happened in your life you're going to gravitate to an angry religious personality not the religious personality that's preaching your message, like your belief system. Mm. So let's say I'm an uh, I'm let's say I'm an angry Ashari, right? My <laughs> I'm messed up in the head, right? <laughs> Hypothetically, right? Uh, I'm not going to gravitate to a peaceful Ashari. I'll probably spend more time listening to another angry speaker, mm. right? Because I we match emotionally, right? Mm. And I might say, yeah, I know he's, you know, this, that, or other beliefs, but he's got a point, right? And those guys, yeah, there are people, but they don't even know what they're, you know, they're living in some other world. So emotional states, it's like matches with like more so than rational positions. That's actually my observation in life with people. So
2: just off the top of my head, I never thought of it from that perspective, but as you were explaining there's one thing that came to my mind from the Prophet Sallallahu life. This narration, there's multiple narrations from the story of the conversion of Omar ibn Khattab, There's multiple. If you read uh, Ibn Hisham and other places, you'll get a few different narrations, right? But anyways, one of the narrations tells us that when Omar ibn Khattab came into the house, yeah. right, uh, when he actually came in and Hamza was like, let him in. I'll kill him with his own sword. Uh, that's, that's my most epic line, man, mashallah. But anyways, so Hamza was like, let him in. You know, they grab Omar bin Khattab and the prophet Prophet's wa like, let him go. And one of these narrations, this is a rather strong narration. The prophet comes up to him and he grabs him by the collar. Yeah. And and he 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 kind of like shook him up a little, you know what I mean? And and he's like, When are you gonna accept Islam? When are you gonna accept Islam? And and I think there's a mo- there's something to reflect upon there because I I mean you guys are well read when did the prophet Mm. ever grab someone's collar yeah and And so i i I get where you're going but i think what we can learn also as well is that what i learned through the emotional intelligence is that mirroring and 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 knowing someone's state emotionally and and responding to that state is the way you kind of open that receptivity so what i mean is why did he do that to Umar ibn Khattab? Well, you talk to people in their language. Okay, um, in their language too. Huh? What's that? Okay. And you talk to them in their language and in their emotional state too. Right? But oh, oh so I, I mean the same. When I say language, yeah. I think as I was mentioning, uh, I think it was prior, probably prior to the podcast, language and emotion are intrinsically connected. Uh, There's no, you can't separate the two. Um, The deeper you understand emotion, the more you actually speak the language of another person. And what I find actually brilliant, and I'm going to digress for a moment. There's a hadith in Abu Dawood where the Prophet is walking through Medina with a group of Sahaba and a camel calls out, like makes this loud noise. Prophet goes over to it. He touches it. Now I bring this up in the book. The Prophet I sell you seldom find an interaction with another human being, except that he touched the person physically, he always physically touch the person. He always physically touched the person. Um, I, there's tons of examples. Um, and, and I'm not going to digress to that. That's a huge topic. But he leans into the camel. He listens to the camel. Now, this is crazy. Now, you know, if someone's listening, they're like, oh, well, how, does, how is the prophet of God listening to a camel? Well, let's just wait for a moment. He comes back. He's like, where's the owner of the camel? Somebody's like, someone comes running really quick. He comes running. Ana Rasulullah. It's me. He's like, sell me the camel. He's like, yeah, you can have it for free, but it's the only one I got. mean, he ain't trying to give it up. So the prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam understood that. And so the prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam says to him, you know, this camel complained to me about you not feeding it well and you working it too hard fear Allah regarding these mute these mute uh, uh, animals uh, now the reason oh. I brought that up is is this that language of emotion that's being understood by a heart that is awake hmm. it's a heart that is awake to emotion and and this is what I think our community is lacking man. we we and we, we get so caught up in the in, 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 in uh, the, the facts that we're forgetting uh, the emotional aspect of human existence, man. You can't just drop huck on people. We are emotional beings. There's so much to me and so much to you. So when he leans into the camel and listens to it, the, the, he has a heart that's aware of the pain of another. And what he's doing is he's passing on the responsibility now, now let's talk about this word, responsibility. Right? He's passing on the responsibility of being aware of the pain that others are going through, mm. and he even says those who can't communicate pain. Like I was on, I was on a panel uh, with uh, one of the Dais. Mashallah, man, she was amazing. Uh, I forget her, forget her name. She's an amazing, sister. Um, and we were talking about this topic. And I was talking about this point right here where the Prophet wasalam, says, Fear Allah regarding these animals that can't communicate their pain. And I was saying that as we reach higher levels of emotional wokeness, we'll reach a level where the heart understands pain and emotion that isn't even communicated verbally. And that's the level the Prophet wasalam, was at with, with, with animals. And that's the level he was at with trees. And the right. more jaza, the morjiza of the crying tree is that the rest of the people were lifted to his level of awareness for a moment in time.
0: Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You feel yeah, me? Allah. Now you let me, me ask you something. But, so, so, so go it's heavy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you think that this is more of a male problem than a female problem? So, 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 I think- Alhamdulillah. So listen, let me tell you, Dr. Shadi, I'm
2: writing this book, man. Yeah. I'm writing this book back in the day. All right. It's like three years ago. And I'm listening to your podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, This book is gonna become ammunition against every brother in the in in the states. Yeah. This joint joint is gonna be on every Instagram sister Instagram page. This is gonna be. I saw one young comedian brother, Muslim brother. I don't know. I I forget his name. He was like, "Your brothers be uh buying uh, with the heart in mind, breaking your heart with with the heart in mind." He's cracking jokes, but so honestly, when I wrote this, I was worried about that. I was deeply worried uh, because my one of the premises that I present is that he had to create an emotional revolution. He was doing things that were really not normal for men at that time. Mm. Let's be frank, man. Him hugging and playing with his grandchildren was weird. Mm. Now for me and you, we get it, we're woke. We understand that level of emotion. Who's gonna deny that? Well, they did. Yeah. So, so is it a male problem? Some Yes, it is. But does that mean, man, I just was very careful. And that's why the first part of the book is the moral intelligence, because I wanted to ground the very fluid nature of emotion with something that's not fluid at all. It's very uh, 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 concrete, you know, it's that the moral
1: intelligence. You're being tested on your theory as we speak. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, so, so. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so. Assalamu alaykum. Who Where is that at? little creature?
0: Where
2: oh, <laughs> who is
0: that? What's your As-salamu name? Assalamu alaykum.
1: Yeah. Well, think, salam, How
0: you doing? What is your name, young man? <laughs>
3: Muhammad, Muhammad,
0: Muhammad, Muhammad Qasim oh. Muhammad
2: Qasim Smith.
1: Muhammad Qasim Smith.
0: Muhammad
2: Qasim Smith. Ma Allah. Yeah. That's a beautiful
1: name. <laughs> That's great.
2: Like Can you the, let daddy the, finish teaching?
1: Yeah. No, you, you have to. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you when we're done, inshallah. <laughs> we'll wrestle later on. He some,
4: maybe he's got some good ideas on the topic as well, you know?
1: He wants to wrestle. Yeah. He wants sure. to wrestle. He's a hey. boy. He wants to wrestle.
2: Yeah, that's it, bro. That's all they want to do. <laughs> yeah. They want to wrestle. That's it. That's the
1: he doesn't want to talk to us. <laughs> he wants <doesn't> to wrestle. <laughs>
2: So,
1: okay, go ahead. Go to mommy. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. All right.
2: So, I'm kind of lost the train of thought there, but basically, I agree, uh, Dr. Shadi, that this could be. I-, I wanted brothers to see, I wanted men to see the Prophet وسلم, from giving us permission to emote. Um, You know, we all know the hadith in the ayna tadma yahzan, like the eye cries and the the heart hurts, but we only speak. What is that right? There is emotional intelligence in a nutshell. That hadith literally is emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence can be broken into five things. By the way, this is actually really good. The acronym ruler covers all of EQ ruler recognize, understand label express regulate. That's it Mm. recognize emotion. A lot of us, we, we struggle like is wifey in a bad mood right now. Like we don't even, I can't even tell, understand that's under the, the the ideology of the expression. You're like, do I understand where this is coming from? That's understanding. Labeling. If you can't name it, you can't tame it. They say like, you got to be able to highlight what you're feeling or what someone else is feeling in order to move on to the further steps of regulation. Uh, expression. <laughs> the prophet's like, yo, I cry. It's okay. Like, man up. It's okay to cry. Uh, and then the last one was regulate, um, which is when there's an expression now don't let that expression or that emotion control you, but rather you control the emotion. So,
0: yeah. Did you ever be with somebody and you're in an emotion and they labeled that emotion? I think like you might need to label it theoretically, but you can never tell them, Oh, you're having this state right now. Right. Well, I I would I would push back a little. I would push back a little
2: Um, when when Aisha tipped over the dish that was sent from Safiya's house. So so for our audience, I I I I I don't want anyone to feel left out. So Um, Um, ummahatul muminin, you know, they were human beings as well. Safiya Radiallahu anha was a great cook, amazing cook. Uh, So she sent over food to the Prophet on a day that he was at Aisha's house. Uh, radiallahu anha, um, and she kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, she got she got a jealous bout, uh, you know, a fit of, you know, jealousy, and she she hit the hand of the servant carrying it on purpose and knocked it on the ground. The food spilled, the glass, the the the, the, the plate broke, and the Prophet Sallallahu he looked up and he says, gharat umuk." Yeah. <laughs> he's like ah your mom got a little jealous right there you know she got a little jelly you know as they say you know so i think there's ways to do it so that you're not uh like attacking the person
0: but if you notice he didn't tell her yeah that's true he didn't say it to her Mm. right because i mean I, i i maybe once or twice well definitely all the time uh you know people in 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 public they psychoanalyze other people all the time and they've never seen the other person, even right? <laughs> Nothing is more aggravating than that. And sometimes it might be true. <laughs> and of course, there's the gold. There, you never know, heard of the Goldwater rule? No. Right, uh, Alex, you heard of it? No. Okay, th- p- Mark, this sad. Tell Maureen this is the first time I've actually uh, something up that Alex didn't know about already. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, so when Barry Goldwater was being was running for president, all the uh, Democrats, they had psychiatrists and psychologists diagnose the guy, right? Oh, he's this. This must have happened in his youth, blah, blah, blah. Well, he loses the election, and then he, he turns around, and he sues them all,
3: all
0: mm. right? And he wins the lawsuit because none of it was true, and their diagnosis was totally wrong. And their own code, the psychiatrist code, is that you cannot diagnose someone you've never met. Really.
3: Right, right
0: so they made basically a uh, they've altered their own internal you know rules in the psychiatrist world that you can't do this anymore you can't
1: diagnose somebody who's a public that's a figure that's interesting that's why during the trump administration and the and the campaign before he got elected there were people coming on tv saying you know he's not my patient and i've never treated him yes, so yeah. this is not a diagnosis but he seems to be yes. a megalomaniac yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So that's
0: the idea there that, um, labeling it might be really important for the, for the person involved. But just when you actually say it to somebody, it almost feels like, uh, I'm being yeah. diagnosed or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, but, but doctor sub, like, uh, you know, doctor sub.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah.
2: <laughs> yo, yo, yo. So, Shadi
1: al-Hindi.
0: El- uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, most Egyptians think of Pakistani, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> <Mashallah>. <laughs> now, that's listen. like, don't look like an Egyptian. Yo, okay, so imam,
2: imam, sheikh, <laughs> doctor, whatever, you know what I mean? My, my boy. So listen, hear me out on this, though. Um, when we talk about labeling the 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 labeling has to happen all of these things have to happen internally first yeah and that's where i think we as as uh not goofy sufis as y'all call them right but you know uh people of tasawwuf, we understand the importance of uh regulating modulating the self identifying the sicknesses of the heart after you identifying, understanding where they come from, this is Ghazali 101, Uh, understanding the ideology of the the sickness, what brought it about within you, and then regulating the sickness, whether it be Hasid or whatever it may be. So I think the first place with all of these skills, with all of these skills of emotional intelligence, they all begin within, they all begin within the self. Um, And then only after a person has Um, begun to master the self uh, and started to uh, crack the code of themselves, at that point, do they become a leader and a guide to help other people understand themselves as as well? So the labeling, I, I think there is a level of labeling when you're dealing with another person, but labeling doesn't mean calling it out. I think there's a difference between speaking it and just knowing okay that's anger i'm witnessing right there
0: yeah you got to know it mm,
2: exactly exactly and, and and not just know it but pinpoint like yeah but be, be able to be precise in in identifying what the emotion is that i'm experiencing out of at any given uh yeah. time
0: so what are so, the examples of oh go ahead you were going to continue no
2: no no i was just i was just going to try to transition this into like something that i was i'm recently working on now so that's Emotional intelligence. Right. That's basically what it is. And I think the thing to understand is the, the quality that he had to create in these very, very hard hearted people was the quality of empathy. And I know it's kind of cliche and all of that, but it, it actually is very interesting because these were people that had calloused over their hearts. Yeah. I mean, you, you take the bearing of daughters alive. In order for that to become a socially acceptable thing, yeah, th- it's not a one off. Mm-hmm. It's a socially acceptable thing. It's like, yo, where'd you come from? Oh, I was just out there, you know, I was just bearing my. Like, think about the level of callousness and hard heartedness that had to be there. Yeah. Now, the Prophet, so I said, within only 23 years, is now trying to take these people and really break down. And, and, you know, uh, carve away at that, the rock that had become the heart and bring that soft heart out again so that it became something that could become alive again. Yeah. Um, and so Azizun <laughs> is a huge part of understanding how he was so effective in ch- causing a change within the people that he interacted with.
0: And I think that uh, nothing can change a hard heart more than someone harder right hmm. namely what i mean by that is someone who has no fear of anything can only change through the language of fear and we can't underestimate the role and the verses about Zabania and Jehennam, ah, right where the prophet is not just coming and softening he's also <laughs> warning that if you don't start treating people the way you want to be treated, there is zabania. They will take you by the forelock. They'll iron your, your face, right? Mm. Right. And if you want to talk about, like you said, some of these were akin to the, like before their Islam, they were akin to like gangsters today. Now you cannot tell a gangster. Let me tell you about an abode of rivers <laughs> and gardens of milk, right?
3: You can't <laughs> tell it, that,
0: right? Right, but if you if he reads the verses of Jahannam, yeah, many people are like, Oh my gosh, why so harsh? Because some people need that language,
3: mm. right?
0: Some mm. people need that language, and they're like, like, look, just think about just this one a We will iron out your forehead because forehead's like bumpy a little bit, right? No, we'll iron it out. Imagine that, right? Uh Zabania, Right, call your people we'll call our angels of hell the angels that their job is to torture people now you're thinking what kind of God created that well what did humans do Mm. humans made gangs humans made governments that destroyed other nations humans did a lot of bad things so they actually need angels their whole job if you're scary we are far more scarier than you right and we'll so so the the same thing that we say like requires to match must match with like right Mm. like has to convince like there are people whose hearts are that hard but Allah has angels whose I wouldn't say their hearts are hard in the same expression but they have no empathy no sympathy no no, I would even say
2: hard there's a there's narrations that say some of the angels of hell are 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 blind and deaf subhanallah yeah blind and deaf Subhanallah. So that they don't, because yeah. if they saw what they were doing to the people being given that punishment,
0: they yeah. wouldn't be able to. SubhanAllah, that's amazing. So that idea here is that the Prophet I did come with that too, because mm. that's sometimes the only motivation for a person to behave. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And to say like, um, why would I treat a chicken nicely or, or treat a camel nicely or treat a stranger nicely, because one day. I'm going to be standing in front of Allah on the day of judgment and need to be treated nicely because there are bigger torturers than me out there. Mm, yep. So it's important to mention that aqidah of Jahannam.
4: Yeah. And yeah. what
0: goes around comes around either in this life or the next.
4: That'll really quickly soften someone's heart. Mm, definitely. 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 You know, so thing I was thinking about, you know, as you guys were talking about this, was, um, uh, you know, the idea that you know, what, what hardens a heart to begin with, right. Is indulgence and being surrounded by, by sin. Yes. To, to, to a certain degree, you know, you can call somebody away from sin, but at at some level, they also have to give that up in order to soften their own heart. Right. And to be able to be receptive to uh, understanding emotion, feeling empathy, these things, as long as they're engaged in those things that kind of keeps them in that state of, uh, yeah, emotional stupidity. Uh, yeah. You know, in those terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. I mean, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi um, in Jawab al-Kafi, um, when he he has a whole section on the effects of sins. It's a very good read, very, very beautiful. Uh, the whole book is amazing, but just that part, he specifically mentions that um, the the hardening of the heart as a direct consequence of of the sin, and so. I'm just echoing what you're saying. I think it's a beautiful point to highlight that, you know, he was also distancing them from the things that were going to add, right? So the sickness doesn't get worse, but now we have to treat the present sickness. We have to treat that in order to create that softness, but there's no point in creating softness if you're going to just add on to the more things that cause the rust on the heart, right? So it has to be preventative and therapeutic at the same time, right? So it doesn't get worse.
0: Yesterday, yeah. uh, uh, when we t- did a talk on Sheikh Ahmed Zahraian, he uh, the his top student, his really his first student, uh, when the Sheikh was teaching, started teaching in Masjid Sir Ahmed Dardir. He said that the Sheikh had a manhaj of four things. The first was ikhlas, for only for Allah's sake. Second mm. thing was to bilah. The, the jij, which is to sow without any hoopla of, around it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And then the third one was that we never change Allah's law.
3: Mm-hmm. We never
0: change the sharia, no matter who it pleases or displeases. Mm-hmm. And the fourth thing was jabr al khawatir. Take be, being considerate of people's emotions. Now, mm-hmm. I thought that's the, the recipe of a true Rabbani prophetic godly scholar is, is that. Those two things coming together are very rare. And let me tell you, a lot of people, I believe that they have an axe to grind with the world, maybe against Allah even, what ayadu billah, and against the Ummah. They take it out by finding what is it in the Sharia that the people don't like to hear, mm-hmm. can't hear it, right? Can't practice it, and they wanna pound you with that ruling, right? And make you feel so small and so bad and so wicked, right? But in reality, it's using religion and the idea of, I'm going to stand up for the hop that nobody else is going to stand up for. It's almost like using that to hurt people. But he, he says, no, we do stand up for everything in the Sharia. But we make sure nobody leaves our circle feeling less, feeling small, feeling Mm -hmm. impious, feeling dirty, feeling... Uh, like they're on the outside, and I thought that's truly the combination of a real of a godly scholar. Mm, that's beautiful. If someone is about to say something, you will say something, Assad? No, no.
2: Oh. Yo, this, oh, there was a lot right there. I mean, um, I, I don't want to digress, but Doctor Shadi, I think that Jabr Khawatir, Yeah, you may be able to look at that from another perspective too. Mm-hmm. If we look at Khawatir from the perspective of thoughts, yeah, um, and what you think about. Um, one of the things that was really focused on by uh, Sidi Ahmed Zarruq and also uh, Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi is controlling of thinking. Yeah. So, Wallahu alam, I, I just thought about that as a, the connection between the ability to control thinking um, as a part of the reformation of an individual. One right. of the things that is really uh, a, an extreme important part is Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi, he says, like, the brain is like a mill. It's like a mill that's always going, and never ever stops. Um, The idea of controlling what you think in order to modify behavior or even habits is something that goes all the way back to Abu Zayd Balqi in the third century Hijri um, for for cognitive behavior Mm -hmm. well-being. So so, wallahu ala, I was just thinking about the concept of controlling what you think about and controlling the thoughts and regulating Ibn Qayyim ad he has this this deep thing. He says, bad thoughts. Khawatir are not mudir. They're like al-mumar tariq. He's like, they're like people you walk past in the city. So you walking through, you know, I don't know, whatever city, and there's people that walk past you. The only time they'll cause harm to you generally is when you stop to engage them.
0: Yeah. You know, you
2: know, you learn in the city just to walk past people. You know what I mean? And yeah. so he says thoughts are the same way. That if you learn how to walk past a thought mm-hmm. and keep it rolling, as we say, keep it moving, you know, then 90% of the thoughts that you'll get, you won't be bothered because you learned how to walk past them. He's like, the problem is we stop and start talking to the thought. Mm-hmm. Like, why are
0: you here, yo? What you doing over here?
2: And, you come and,
3: from? And,
0: and, and here's <laughs> the thing. If you spend time negating a thought, it grows. So what you just have to do is you have to say the opposite Mm. and you have to repeat the opposite and keep repeating the opposite. Actually, I think that uh, so they they need to start teaching this stuff in schools. Right. But uh, because I find like so much of the world is suffering from, they're not suffering from physical torture, like uh, the Western hemisphere. We're all stuff. They're all suffering from this negative, Mm. you know, thought patterns and they just, everything they utter comes out of their mouth is negative negative. And they mistreated me and it's, this is toxic. And that's toxic. It's all negativity. And it's almost like they repeat it and, and, and they fight it mm. when you fight something, it grows, right? Whatever you're paying attention to positive or negative, it grows. I remember listening one time in radio and there was a guy who was so hated in the radio, but he was like, uh, you know, really successful. So like, how are you successful? He's like, uh, because my employer doesn't care if people like me. He only cares if they're listening, right? So if I know that I can get people to listen, all he needs is listenership. They don't have to like me, right? So as long as they're in, the audience is engaged, his, his ratings are up, the commercials are expensive, right? So he says, if I can't f- get people to listen to me because they like me, I'll get them to listen because they like to hate me, right? Mm-hmm. So I love to say something, And it'll make them all hate me and talk, but they're talking about me. They're calling my show yelling. Right. Yeah,
3: yeah. And
0: and I piss them off even more. So uh, anything that you focus on positive or negative. And one of the things I always try to teach, like my son, I remember we were in a soccer uh, game one time and it was a last minute. We had fought for a tie, right. Against the best team. Last minute we got a penalty shot against us. So he's like, Oh, that's it. We're done. I was like, don't say that. Say the opposite. Say something good's going to happen. Right. I made him say it. Right. And lo and behold, the guy blasts it off the uh, crossbar. Right. Mm -hmm. So we survived. He couldn't believe it. So uh, it's the reverse speech, self-speech. I think that's so important. Reverse self-speech. And I think it's so important to do this with others. Mm. Someone could be talking to you and they're mentally and emotionally going down. You actually have to stop it real quick. And say no. Say the opposite, and force them to say the opposite, and you know reverse how they view. So you
2: know. this is this is I, I, we're not gonna you know alhamdulillah, it goes where it goes. But I think this is really interesting. A uh, point to bring up um, the relationship between the cognitive and immaterial and the material. I think this is important, and I'm I'm, I'm piggybacking or horsebacking off whatever you just said, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is like how you can. You said to your son, don't say that, right? Yeah, now, say the opposite. Now, now check this. This is deep. This is deep. Do we have within our religion this idea that you can, and I please take it within its context, you can manifest through speech. Now, when I study the sharia and I look at multiple things. First of all, let's look at non-sharia. If you look at what is, a, what is a placebo effect? What is a nocebo effect? What is a self-fulfilling prophecy? All of these are aspects of the cognitive affecting the material the biological material or the actual other person. So so really quick, I know everyone knows already, self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I, I, I'm meeting Dr. Shadi for the first time. I'm like, oh, this guy, is he's an arrogant guy, right? And so now I project that arrogant feeling onto him. And now he feels those vibes and he actually starts to fit that role. He starts to go that way due to my impression of him and how I thought. And so then I see exactly what I thought I was going to see because yep. I, I did that. So th- there's multiple studies. I mean, we've we've seen teachers that have been able to make a certain segment of the class become more successful in life because that group, they specifically said, you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so smart. And so we have studies to show this, right? Um, placebo effect as well. No, nascebo effect as well. You Which think you're what, sick? What is sick. that? Nascebo or placebo? Nascebo. Nacibo is the opposite where you think you're sick and then you become sick. Placebo is like, you know, you think okay. you have taken the medicine for something. So I
0: thought. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but I, it's funny because I thought you invented that word to be nasib, where you are <laughs> oh. saying, it's "My nasib, it's my nasib," because that's <laughs> no, probably no. a good me- mental trick. Oh, it's my nasib to succeed. it's not nah,
2: nah. <laughs> I'm trying to highlight. So, so check yeah. this. You're like, okay, cool. Where are you going with this? All right. How about this? The Prophet ﷺ is traveling for hijrah. Let's just use this one example. He's coming to Medina. There's a bounty on his head. Yeah. Anyone that capture him gets paid. Buraida al-Aslami. He's like, I'm getting that, I'm getting that money. He takes 70 people with him. They meet the Prophet them, a little bit outside of Medina. Now you got to picture it, man. They got their weapons, they got their whole crew. They roll in 70 deep. And, and the Prophet I them, is walking with you know Abu Bakr, the guide, and just going. They meet each other. The Prophet asked him his name. He goes, "What's your name?" He goes, "Bureeda." Now, this is crazy. This is crazy, Alex. Yo, this is crazy. The Prophet looks at Abu Bakr and smiles, and he said, "Baradallahu amarana." Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So, for the audience, Bureeda has a root word of "barada," which in Arabic means cold. And so, the Prophet took his name. One material thing, one thing from the world, and he's making that the reality. So he looks at Abu Bakr and he goes, "See, Allah has cooled down our our affair." Yeah. So then, and he smiles as if like it's already See, told you. Yeah. Then he asks him again. He goes, "What tribe are you from?" He goes, "Bani Aslam." The prophet smiles. Right. He, he looks at Abu Bakr. He's like, "Salamna, you <laughs> made it." We yeah. made it. Now there are multiple examples where the prophet teaches that the way you think or speak is what will affect the reality.
0: Uh-huh. And what you believe.
2: And now, now hold up, hold up. Let me connect it. Du'a. How do we make du'a? Oh God, please give me this. If you want. No. Yeah. What was brother? Brother was like, if you don't do this, y'all Allah. Yeah. Like, and the prophet said. Ask as if you can't implore God. So ask with everything you got. So, what I'm trying to say is like the belief, and the, the, the belief is so powerful. This has altered completely my interaction with like my kids, my wife, completely. Because if I walk in the room thinking she's in a bad mood, that's gonna happen. And I know it sounds trippy. Everyone's like, Yo, what are you saying, man? Like, come on, man. No, we the prophet is actually showing this in multiple. Uh, ways that the way you look at it is how it becomes. Is
1: that also it's the possible? hadith Qudsi Yeah. yeah. Now nah, I was about to you you, you stopped me. Yo. I was literally tell <laughs> him, Alex, let him know. What's <laughs> the hadith Qudsi So it's the hadith kutsi. I am with. I am as my servant thinks of me. There you go.
4: Exactly. So, 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 so so ties into having a good opinion of Allah, right, and what He has in store for the future, mm. uh, meaning what's best for you and the people around you.
2: Yeah, that's but three is. levels, three levels. Hold on. Nasibo and placebo means how I think of myself, my body will react to that. The yep. self fulfilling prophecy tells me how I think of other people, my they will respond to that. And then and then the hadith. So you know what I always say, man. Mm. The Prophet's teachings are like the software. Without knowing the code language. Like, we don't know the code behind the relationship between the cognitive and the immaterial and the material. We don't understand that completely. Is there a connection between observation and matter? Well, the hadith tell us there are. Aisha literally is taken out of the bag of dates and she's like, I opened it up, there were two left. Mm. And the Prophet Wasallam, said, if you'd never looked at it, you would have kept eating from it. SubhanAllah. Okay. 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 So what does that tell us? Observation effects matter. What do we know now about how light travels? Yeah. So hold on, but do we really understand it? No, but do we have a profit? Yes. We have the software. We don't have the code language.
0: Yeah. It's a great point. It's a great way to look at. You know what I'm
2: saying? Like it's, it's deep, man. And so what I've been, this is some trippy stuff because you know, if you, if you take manifestation too far, you can obviously get into some shirky type stuff you know what I'm saying? Like even, you know, and, and hopefully our audience is, is mature enough to understand, like, you know, yeah. So, so I guess what I'm trying to highlight is I think it has come to me after studying this, that I really can control and impact people. Now there was a, there's a saying of, I think his name was, uh, uh, I always pronounce it wrong. It's Goshe, Goethe. It's, uh, like G-O-E-T-H-E. Gauche. goethe
1: gota right Gerta. Say the, it. It, the e is almost like an r it's gota
2: gota okay so he has a saying which is beautiful it's like treat people as they are and they'll stay that same the same way but treat them as they can be and you'll see what they become
0: yeah
2: and and what i learned from that is hurayda al-aslami was a criminal a bounty hunter but the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam treated him it, as what he could become he be he can become a, a believer and that's what he became mm. that's what he became so i think often we deal with people in a way that kind of determines uh how they're going to interact so now let me say one more thing um you know uh, you have a friend that's sick what did the Prophet Sallallahu said him say when you go visit him oh say, you're getting better already man mm. yo you got mad years ahead of you bro
0: yeah you're looking great. Why? Because once he starts thinking that, SubhanAllah. You, you know what? You bring up a great point is that there's an incident of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, he, he, he visits a man in Medina. He's an older man. And he visits him and he says, No problem. It will be. A, it's a purification for you. Mm. And, and the man says, No, this is a severe fever. That has come to an old man that will take him oh, to his grave. God. And it killed him. And the Prophet said, then that's what it is.
2: That's what it See?
0: Right? <laughs> SubhanAllah. So, so <laughs> and, and, and my, I always wondered, you know what the worst thing in uh, medicine is? That they know that placebo effect works, <laughs> right? But yeah, the, yeah, they've yeah. never translated it into the behavior and the words of the doctor. So they know that placebo effect works. It makes people sick or not sick Mm. just by belief. Why don't the doctors now and the nurses like literally put on acts (laughs) of positivity for the patient (laughs) come in. Congratulations. (laughs) Unbelievable. What kind of test results you produce for us? They're going to get, they're Uh, going to get sued, sued, sued. bro. This is what you do. This is what you do. You got to, they got to find a way, right, to merge the two, because I can guarantee you when you talk to people like that, any any father, kindergarten teacher or something, if a kid comes with a little gash on his hand, mm. if you get nervous, it bleeds more, right? And the kid cries. The kid cries for sure. I don't know about the blood, but the kid cries. <laughs> If you said it sounds better, that's why, right? <laughs> it, it I had more. to call you out, I had to call you out, my bad. <laughs> if, if you shoe him off, wash it, right, yeah. and put a Band-Aid, he's out playing, right? Oh, and the other one, he thinks like, oh, I got, I'm going to, I'm really hurt. He'll start limping, right? <laughs> Even though it's his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so
1: true. Yo, this is so, heavy, still- man. Yeah. go ahead, Alex, go ahead so this this uh this concept is this why uh the brothers in texas are shoulder to shoulder with no mask and they're doing fine because <laughs> they just no, they just have a good opinion guys. of uh of, of their immune nah, system yo
2: yo yo that that's that's up north man in the in the uh, i ain't gonna call out no no uh, i ain't gonna call the call out the uh, ox you know so i'm I, just
1: saying we had we had one of our guys down there Ma'in is down there right now and he reported back and, no i no.
4: Got the yeah.
1: checked <laughs> he, said, he said it was so he said it was so straight down there that so what one, one uncle was like oh no I don't wear mask regularly I forgot to take it off I'm sorry <laughs>
2: <laughs> yo, yo I don't know he's up in Plano I don't know maybe I I, I ain't seen it like that yo, but wallahualam,
0: man. Wallahualam. yo check this out uh, for the listeners out there I checked out um, manifestation and law of attraction and all that stuff I guarantee you you have more when you know the creator himself mm. is far more powerful because these guys, you cannot take the analysis of how the non-believers in Allah do things, right? And how they view the world and how they achieve. And then apply that when you do have the creator on your, uh, you do know who the creator is. It's A an insult, I'm, in my opinion, right? Now you could look into it and examine it. But if I want to get from point A to point B, all right, the non-believer has said, "I got the shortcut, and that is keep thinking it, keep repeating it to yourself. You'll get there." All right, um, that might be true, but how can I accept an equation that does not have a line? Right, I can't accept it. Not only I can't accept it, Allah mm-hmm. will not accept it. I guarantee you. Is you have me. why are you going and taking it from them? You want to achieve something, and I'm, and Allah is there in the last third of the night, coming to you, waiting.
1: Right. Yeah, and he's
0: okay. for that language. But
1: I'm sorry, Come and I'll on. say I'll say this only because it's necessary to say, I think, because it's a wide, it's a broad audience. Anybody that does something like that absent, you know, that goes, I'm going to do manifestation or I'm going to do the secret yeah. or whatever yeah. that is. Right. Yeah. Even if you find some success, it's only Allah is guiding you. Mm. It's yeah. only Allah granting it to you. You're not doing it yourself. Allah is granting it to you as a means of further misguiding you because you've you've abandoned your iman
2: yeah yo yeah, yeah. I, guys I, I think it's important I, I love what you're bringing up because uh you can, like I, I tried to indicate too like you don't take this too far we right. believe everything happens by the will of god but let me let me add something so there's this concept within uh islamic uh causality discussions called uh, I hate to get too deep for a moment, but you got an educated audience, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Uh, Tajadid amthal means this. Every moment, instance, uh, every moment and instance in the uh, creation is a new uh, man- is a new reality that God creates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the example is a rose isn't continually red. I'm, I'm sure you guys probably had a podcast on this before, but a rose isn't continually red. But in every moment, God creates, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates that redness in it. Um, and so we have this, uh, as, 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 as Muslims, we have this understanding, like the, the fire burns by the permission of God, the knife cuts by the permission of God, right? And so there is a bit of a difference amongst theologians and stuff like that. But generally speaking, this is kind of an accepted understanding, right? Generally speaking. Um, and so when we're talking about manifestation, when I bring this up, I'm just trying to show you some things that the Prophet وسلم, has highlighted about how you need to be a positive thinker and how those things can influence, seem to have an influence. Now, let me go a little deeper. Yeah. Oh, the Prophet وسلم, used to do tafa'ul, but not t-tay-ir. What does that mean? He would not take bad omens, but he would take advantage of good omens, as we just saw. So, whenever there was a bad omen, a bad, something, it could be anything like, you know, uh, for us, a black cat or, uh, you know, I don't know, glass breaks. I don't know, something, yeah. you know, he would never recognize those. Yep. It's nothing. Stock for the love. That's shirk. What are you talking about? That thing's not going to do nothing to me. Yep. But whenever there's a good omen, he would take that as a sign. See, Allah's yep. help is with us. Allah's help is with us. So, yep. it, it, you know, it needs to be said. Everything I'm saying goes back to that by the permission of God, these things will happen, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and so I, I'm with you 100%. Okay. We definitely want to make sure
0: people understand that point. Let me add something else. Uh, if let's say we can hypothetically say that um, law of attraction manifestation is a means, it's a sebab, maybe it's not as concrete, because it's unseen, it's like mental. But let's say it's a it's a created means to an end, right? The mu'min, Allah cares for him, his dunya and his akhirah. Okay. That's the difference. Mm. So money is a means to an end. If I got a lot of money, I could do what I want. If I learned the law of attraction, I can achieve what I want. Right. But does Allah want us to achieve everything we want? Sometimes we may want something bad for us.
3: Mm. Mm. So that's
0: why even if hypothetical, let's take it to its logical conclusion in a positive sense that it is all true that your mind does move the universe. Does that necessarily mean it's good for you? That To use it how you want. No, you have to use it by first asking Allah through istikhara. Is this good for me? Mm. Not only my deet my dunya, is it good for my akhir? So that's one thing. Let me tell you a second thing. We do have our own way of understanding what they've experienced, what people who are not Muslim have experienced by repeating something, having positive thoughts. First of all, it's all husnudhan billah, mm. right? That's number one. But number two, there's a story we have in our, uh, uh, about the Bani Isra'id. It has no Senate in Islam, right? But we do accept we to transmit it, and the meaning of it is sound. And I asked my own Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Mahmoud, about this, uh, Shabib. The story goes as follows. Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam, was approached by a woman from the Bani Isra'id. She says, I want a baby. Hmm. Ask Allah to make me pregnant because I couldn't get pregnant. Allah, He walks away and he says Oh Allah, this a servant of yours She wants to be pr- uh, pregnant She wants a baby Allah says mm-hmm. atima. I wrote that she's barren <clears throat> In the book of destiny she's barren So he says uh, Allah wrote that you are atim, So I'm sorry you can't have a baby So she comes back to him at the next gathering And she said ask Allah again Because her emotion Was so strong It overrided this theology of it Right that your Prophet just told you, Allah just told you, you're barren. You should give up at that point. But her emotion, emotional tie to having a child was that so strong, it just overrided that. The that, uh, she, Sayyidina Musa goes, and Allah says again, mm-hmm. I wrote that she's barren. This happens a third time. On the third time, Allah says, Ya Musa, Katabtuha aqima Now it's almost like I've said it three times, right? She is barren. Later, one year later, Sayyidina Musa is walking by a group of people and he sees that woman carrying a baby. (laughs) And he says, oh, uh, whose baby is this? Yeah, it's Allah. She said, oh, Musa, it's mine. Allah gave me a baby. He said, it's your baby? He said, yes. She said, yes, it's my baby. He walked away a little bit. I said, oh, Allah. What happened? You said she was Aqeem. He said, Yes, I had written her to be Aqeem. But she kept repeatedly saying, Ya Rahim. And every time she would say, Ya Rahim, it would wipe away my destiny that she's she is Aqeem because my mercy outweighs everything. Okay. So I asked my Sheikh, explain this, Senate wise and meaning wise. He said, As for the Senate, it has no Senate, but it, it is not mauldua, <laughs> it's not fabricated. Which means that it's one of the stories of Bani Israel That has come down probably from the early Jewish Muslims Like Ka'b al-Ahbar Right? Who was wonderful tabi Everyone loved Ka'b al-Ahbar And he used to tell all these stories of Bani Israel So he said So I said, can we narrate it? He said, yes, because none of the automat says it's fabricated So you can narrate It's not a lie made up So I said, now explain it to me He says, Allah has al lawh al Mahfuf. Hmm. Nobody has access to, uh, Sorry, umul kitab Nobody has access to that except Allah Nobody could say what's in it Then there is Alloh al-Mahfuz Alloh al-Mahfuz is for the, all the heavens to see right? And it's what's going to happen However, Alloh al-Mahfuz can be altered with dua Akbar. And it may be altered with sins because the Prophet ﷺ said a man can be deprived some of his rizq because of sins mm. And I said, okay he said now you may be asking what's the point in having a book of destiny that can be changed he said to show his mercy and to encourage dua
1: allah Akbar.
0: okay this woman was told by the greatest prophet of allah she witnessed him at the time he was the greatest of the messengers of allah to, to be on the earth and she witnessed the red sea open in front of her own two eyes okay she witnessed okay Uh, Musa going to speak directly to Allah directly, and Allah said, I wrote her barren, yet her she kept pushing, she kept persisting, right? And Allah Ta'ala granted her. And Imam Siyuti, and you teach in the Jalalain, right? He translates this or he gives a tafsir in (laughs) Yamhullahumaya sha'a wa yuthbit wa indahu umul kitab. So when the when the uh Manifests and law of attraction people say We're co-creators with God They misunderstood Okay Mm -hmm. And they're not even speaking theological language anyway They're just saying what they So they have experiences like this Maybe not like this But the experiences where they keep thinking something And it happens But we have our own understanding That Allah Ta'ala does Alter what's in the law When a Muslim proves himself Faithful And believes that Allah can and is Qadr out of Qubishayt, right? And that story of Musa and the woman is the best example of that. Beautiful.
4: That in and of itself is like you being tested by Allah, right? Yeah. Is is when you are put into a position where, you know, you're asking for something, you're asking for something, you're asking for something. And, you know, if somebody gives up and says, well, you know what, this is not going to happen. Yeah. That's when it's not going to happen. Yeah. keep at it right and and if if you're consistent with your dua then we do believe that that uh you know in one way or another uh, Allah will answer your dua Mm. and
0: and let me tell you something how many times did you make dua for something someone's making dua for something and then people someone will say well maybe it's not good for you right and they say oh yeah you're right so I should stop but Mm -hmm. wait a second you don't know what's destined why -hmm. don't you say maybe it's very good for you It's the same because you don't know what's in Allah's book anyway. So all you have to do is qualify it, right? Mm. And from the adab of dua, is to qualify and to summarize. You know that Mm. is people don't know this, but I I, someone sent me a a DM. I I can't. I have to get back to him because, but I can't find it. There's so many different channels. He says I'm very specific with my dua. I try to look for the loopholes. I try to close the loopholes, right? And he's nervous. (laughs) But the Sahaba used to teach Their children When they one ibn Abi Al-Qas saw his son saying I want in Jannah it to look like this And I want this and I want that And then Sa'ad, his son said No, no, we never did this in the time of the Prophet As for Jannah, and it includes all that Right? It includes everything that you're imagining You don't have to say it So dua should be Mujmal, which means summarized Right? Summarized and general And qualified If it's good for me Right? That's the right way to do dua, and uh, Alex. And then I'm going to ask Sheikh Mikael about locus of control.
1: Yeah. So, so I just while we're on the topic of dua, I just want to say something that I'm sure is not original, but I didn't hear it from anybody else. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I'm not the first person to, that this occurred to. Um, you know, one of the one of the things about dua, we all know this is one of the basic things you learn when you first become a Muslim or when you're growing up as a Muslim is that your dua is either answered immediately, it's delayed, or it's delayed until Jannah. Right. Yep. Especially until uh, until the after. Just make dua all the time, always sincere yeah. dua, following all the adab of dua. But make dua all the time because even if you don't get it, don't give up because it just means you're gonna get it in paradise. In it. Like and 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 the hadith, the people in jannah when they see the dua that's answered in the, in the afterlife will say, I wish I never had a single dua answered in the wow. in, in the dunya. <laughs> But so why would you stop making dua? Yeah. You just build you're just adding up good for yourself mm. and you are continuous, continuously remembering Allah. So you have two states some of the ulama say, you know, yeah. you're either in dhikr or in ghafla. Mm. So if you're making dua, you're in dhikr and you're avoiding being in ghafla. Let me tell you something else too when they say that dua can
0: be something better or something different or protection from and uh, something bad and people think, oh, well, I don't really want that I want the thing itself, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, because, but but, let me tell you that when Allah answers a dua, mm. in whatever way he answers it, you will be happy, right? Mm. Because, and many people don't realize when this happens. So whenever you go to visit someone sick or, or you hear a calamity and like, you get a message and you say, oh, so-and-so just died of brain cancer. So-and-so just had this accident. So-and-so's kid. Like is going to lose their leg or something like that. Yeah. Right. And then someone utters a comment, says, Man, subhanAllah, we never had a lot of money, but alhamdulillah, our kids are healthy, right? Mm. That's you just uttered the answer of your dua. You mm. may, that is the replacement mm. of all your failed business ventures. Yeah. You said it yourself. SubhanAllah. <laughs> right? You just said it. You said, yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of money, but alhamdulillah, I'll take the trade-off. Why would you bring that up? Yeah. Like, why would you bring that it was a trade-off? It came from you because that's from Allah telling you, I didn't answer those, I answered. The, I gave you this instead. So you uttered it. Another one, and I'm actually writing a, a release a, a article about this tomorrow, a post about this tomorrow or the day after, is that I remember one time there was a youth in the community. He was all crazy about soccer. Goes to his soccer tournament and he bombed, it did, it did terrible. He was so distraught, so upset, right? So happened, it was like NBA playoffs, someone said to him, uh, hey, we got these extra tickets, right? You want these extra tickets? It's like, it like a day later. He gets these really good, very close tickets into a playoff game. And he gets there, and he, he says, man, I'd take these tickets over a, a soccer tournament any day of the week, right? <laughs> Which made me think, again, why did he link those two together? Mm. That's just Allah Taala bringing it out to show you, when Allah Taala does that to a person, you utter it, right? And that's the sign Allah. that he he didn't Allah. give you that; he gave you something else. Yeah. Right? And you said it yourself. You said it yourself. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So what is this locus of control?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So I just uh, uh, I sent you the article. Inshallah, you guys are gonna be publishing that article soon. Um, yeah. The, one of the topics is uh, it's related to what we're talking about because. We started talking about, you know, a little bit into Taqdeer and one of the consequences of being a very uh, tuk, not taqdeer people, but people who believe in Qadr, is you can develop what's called an external locus of control. Um, and so there's two types of people, generally speaking, uh, the internal locus of control versus external. Now, the internal locus of control people, um, these are people who are go-getters. They, they, they think that it's all up to me to get the job done. Um, and they, every obstacle is not an obstacle. They, they they immediately think, how can I get around this? No, we got to do this. We got to do that. And so the benefit of having an inner locus of control is you're a go-getter. Yeah. And the and because you're so much of a go-getter, you tend to be more successful than the other people just because of ratio. Like you tried more than the other person. True. Um, and so that's a great positive side. Now, when you read modern psychology, they'll make you think that, the best thing in the world is an inner locus of control. but from a per- Quranic perspective and this is all in the article, um, from the Quranic perspective, and the prophet I undoubtedly had a very deep inner locus of control. But what's the downfall of an inner locus of control? When a person fails who has a very deep inner locus of control, they take loss heavy. Yes, because I failed, yeah. I messed up. Now, where do we see that with the Prophet? Like you just brought up. He took his, not failure, but in his eyes, he thought he was failing as very heavy on him. Very heavy. Oh, what? I couldn't do it. And Allah's like, no. ya Muhammad. Yeah. So many verses. I'm, I teach, Alhamdulillah, Jalalain by Allah's Tawfiq. You know how many times Mahalli and Suyuti have to say, tasallya للنبي, tasallya للنبي, tasallya للنبي. Mm-hmm. This is consolment for the Prophet, consolment for the Prophet, consolment for the Prophet. There's another downfall of inner locus of control. Mm. When you're successful. Mm. It was me. It was me. It was me. Now let's switch over. What are the what are the, the 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 cons of an outer locus of control? And again, what do we mean by this for the listeners? These are people who generally think that they don't really affect the environment around them they're kind of result. They're like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, they're inshallah people like heavy inshallah. It's like, inshallah, inshallah, <laughs> inshallah, you know, now what's the, the, the con about that? They're not go-getters. They don't, mm-hmm. any type of obstacle is a confirmation of the fact that I have no control. Yeah. Any obstacle. See, so he told you it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Don't matter. Some stuff, some studies say like with your children, if you uh, don't give them responsibility, you can create a very outer locus of control person. Uh, You got to really put responsibility on them. Like that's very important. But anyways, but what's the positive of an outer locus of control when they're successful, they don't take all the the glory. And when they fail,
0: it doesn't hurt as much. But they don't fail big. They fall off the curb. They don't fall off the 10 foot building yeah yeah they yeah they don't try to go up yeah exactly so here's the deal when you read you know
2: current understanding of psychological uh like uh, uh like ideal states they're gonna they, they make it it's like inner is the best thing in the world like it, it's it's everything you're more you get more uh, you know uh everything okay but when we look from a quranic perspective what i find is the ideal is called an oscillating locus of control the oscillating locus of control is the ability to move your locus left and right as per your need in the situation. And so when we look at thought if, that is the ideal example of an oscillating locus of control. He's doing everything he can, everything he can. That means he's inner motivated. Every obstacle he's going around, inner motivated. And when he fails quote unquote fails. We know what I mean by that, guys. Don't take it out of context. When he's unsuccessful in what he thought was going to be success, he collapses upon himself and he says, yep. I don't care about the outcome. I, that is, the, that is the, 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 the highest point of an external locus where you're like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. I submit. Now, that is good when it was coupled with action. And I have one more hadith to prove this. Abu Dawood hadith. Two men come to the Prophet with an argument. The Prophet decides for the favor of one person. The one other one who he decided against walks away. He's like, SubhanAllah. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam calls him, but this is a Sahih narration. It's in all, almost all of the sahih. The Prophet says, Bring him back, bring him back. And then he says, يلوموا, Allah finds it blameworthy for you that you're not able to do something. When you try your best and then you fail, then you say, yes, Thank you. It's literally, literally talking about an oscillating locus of control. Yeah. Literally talking about the ability to be self motivated and truly believe that you can change your future before the action but then you got to be able to let the brakes off <laughs> you got to be able to like you it's know, very switch tricky. it's
0: Definitely. very tricky and you have to be very spiritually uh deep in order to to make that pivot at the right mm-hmm. time and i'm telling you, you know, there's yeah go ahead i'm sorry sir. go ahead go, sir. i'll just say one point is that many people don't realize that if someone was to come and bring something to you you say oh allah brought it right mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. he, he used that sebab. you too are a sebab right? Your desire is a sebab. your movement is a sebab. right? So if why don't you think like that?
1: Mm. Yeah, Alex? Oh, what I was gonna say is that it, it this is a very it is a very subtle uh concept, but there's also a very simple, like uh speaking as the awam um and for the awam, um, mm. that there's uh you know this is the hadith of the camel yep. that everybody knows, right? Yep. Even the little kids know. Tie your camel and trust in Allah. This is exactly mm. that, right? Mm. So yeah. you take you do your part, right? This is the inner locus of control. I have to make sure my camel is securely tied to the yeah, post. Yeah, But then I, I I, give that up. It's no longer in my hand. I did my part. Mm. And now I trust in Allah. And whatever happens is, Allah's, uh, is the manifestation of Allah's power and will.
2: Alex, do you find that a lot of people use that hadith? Like, obviously, we know everyone knows it. I find it's overused for me not having control. It's not... I don't know. Oh. We know the Prophet's intent, inshallah Taala. Um, it just it seems to me that sometimes, uh, wallahu It's maybe my personal observation.
1: No, no. Go, go on. Yeah, yeah, I find I find that I find that hadith ahadith period, yeah, are misused almost <laughs> almost <laughs> almost ninety nine percent of the time that anyone quotes a hadith, they're misusing it and. <laughs> But I mean it, it returns to like the statement of the of the of the 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 great Malik Malik Wah, right? Yeah that I would have been destroyed. I knew I learned hadith and would have been destroyed by it had I not known the fiqh of Imam yeah, Malik. God. Right? God. Like without fiqh, without a, a teacher to tell you what these things mean, hadith is always misused. Yeah. And this these are Olema that knew the language. Forget about what people in America in 2021 are doing. Let me give you a different take on
0: Tawaku. Uh, yeah, sad. Go ahead, you talk first. But, but yeah, your man. mic is so low. What happened to your computer?
4: I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's so low, but
0: probably
1: a Mac. Yeah,
4: that's <laughs> likely the answer. I'll speak louder. The okay. thing I was going to say though is that what you find with uh, you know what Sheikh Mikhailov was saying about the outer locus of control is that you see a lot of irreligious people tending towards an outer locus of control. When it comes to something other than God, right? Like, oh, it's because of this group.
0: That, oh yeah. That's, you know, because of this group
4: mm-hmm. that nothing's going right. It's because of that guy that this mm-hmm. didn't work out. Uh, versus, look, these things are out of my hands, and it's in God's control. Yeah. Right? It's not in any man's control. It's not in any human beings' control. Ultimately, all of these things are in a lost control. Yeah. But you see tendency, and and I think maybe that's the observation that some of us have is that people tend to. Put everything on an external force other than god as the reason for their suffering
1: yeah are you saying that this is why even atheism turns into actually shirk and worshiping other gods
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah that's to. wow
1: wow now,
2: you know you know i think one thing one extra real quick dr shadi yeah. real quick I, the reason i found this idea inner versus outer locus to be very um eye-opening for myself is because I, I I started to ask myself and go through different tests. There's different tests you can do to assess my locus of control. Like, how do I normally? Um, how am I right now? This morning, when I, I don't need I woke a up, test
0: for that, huh? I don't need a test. I'll tell you what it might.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, there's days when I've I wake up and I'm lack of motivation. Not really. I'm like I'm in the dumps. You know? Yeah. And and, and I think this discussion can help a person kind of uh, discover where that lack of motivation is coming from. Yeah. Um, and, and for people who are in a position to help and guide other people, even if it's your children, and you see a lack of motivation, you should use this knowledge to say, you know, you could do whatever you want to do in life. Yeah. Now, I mean, we know what that means, guys, right? Yep. But you see your son has no motivation to do anything this person now is showing signs of a person with a very external locus of control. They feel they have no, uh, what's the word when you have agency, no agency whatsoever. So now I know based on these studies and like, okay, this person now needs to be empowered. You need to let them know the sky's the limit. What you say matters, what you do matters. You're you, you leave a footprint in the snow, whatever you want to say. You know what I mean? I think that's where I, I find this to be beneficial for my own, uh, like, I gotta be my own motivation. Ain't yeah. no one gonna come here and be like, Mikael, come on, you could do this. I gotta do it myself. But for my children, for my wife, for my brothers and sisters around me, I can use this to help me understand how to, and then, and then if someone's successful, that's where I'm like, you know, you didn't do that, right? hmm <laughs>
1: That's what it has to be.
2: Go, yeah, go, go, go ahead, be. Alex.
1: I, I just I just wanted to say that one of the one of the big downfalls of having this lack of agency that she like I was talking about is when you make a terrible mistake, sometimes when you put your foot fully in it um, and things go way down south, you feel like you've just been victimized, whether it's by and it's your fault, like you did it. You made a huge mistake. You made a choice that was terrible and something bad happened and you go, this is what this is what's happening to me. Look what's happening to me. Right. Because you don't feel like you had any control. You don't feel like you had any agency. You don't feel like you were able to do anything about what the result would be. So even though it was, it's a result of the choices that you made, you didn't think about it. You rolled with uh, your instincts.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you ignored the warning signs. And now you find yourself in a mess and you go, I'm a victim, I'm mm-hmm. victim of this scenario. I'm a victim of the society. I'm a victim of this person. Um, I'm a victim of my own. Uh, uh, poor education I'm a, am a victim of my parents you know, not you, rearing me right you know Alex that goes with the Quran what walumu and
2: like that whole concept of blaming someone other than you yeah. multiple times there's at least five times in the Quran where someone in the hellfire is like it's your fault in the Quran like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's your fault external locus of control yeah. I'm telling you this is like really interesting. I- uh, Go ahead.
0: Another one. here's another one it's uh, people are afraid to be disappointed why mm. they have this uh, blame of others ah. and they lack a drive and desire is because if I have a drive and if I have a great desire for something and I aim big and I jump high okay and I, I jump for a, a you know a high branch or a high fruit the fall <laughs> is going to be really bad <clears> that's possible I might get the fruit but People are afraid to be disappointed. And I have heard so many people say, don't set yourself up for disappointment. But, but why don't we talk about tawakkul, reliance on Allah, on that matter? Because mm-hmm. we know that, you know, uh the Saat al right? If you ask, ask for paradise. And I and ulama have said. Likewise, automat have said, "If you steal, steal gold, right?" <laughs> that's it's just a saying. It just I've heard it, I've heard it articulated
1: in a different okay. way too. Me too. Me too. That's <laughs> off. That's that's off the recording. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Okay. But I can't. Right? <laughs> so, By the way, I, I just have to say. That other articulation, I've said that numerous yeah. times, and my wife always goes. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have the, the, co- the comments is all gonna be what is, what is what is we're
0: not. I'm not saying it, right?
1: <laughs> a lie, we're not saying it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you if you know it, you know it, and if you don't, yeah, exactly. you're not hearing it from me.
0: <laughs> so what they're saying is, even in matters of this world, if you're gonna shoot for something, because it's an act of faith and reliance upon Allah that you take a big leap and say, here, I'm gonna take the big leap. Because you just said, Allah blames someone uh, who's weak and, and puts no effort, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a lack of faith. So here it is. It's pretty adventurous. Wow. This is something far off. I'm going to go for it. And here I'm going to rely on Allah. If I mm-hmm. fall, I need Allah to pick me up, right? <laughs> because it's probably not going to be pretty. And that's why I said this stuff needs heavy doses of spirituality that means you Mm. need to really know Mm. have be able to physically and you have to have the muscle memory to recite three four five juz of quran that's the healing that you're going to need when you if you fall and you and you can't say if i fall because if you keep saying it it's going to happen right (laughs) right (laughs) right? if you fall though that person needs to have serious spiritual experience Mm. in waking up for tahajjud doing serious Salah on the Messenger, reciting a lot of Quran, because you will need that to heal yourself from that fall. But if you do heal yourself from the fall, you're like, wait a second, that fall wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. So I can actually jump a lot further. Allahu now, we're to do, do it and do it again. Finally, you have no fear now, right? You have no fear. And so when you have no fear, uh, remember I told you the story of the first time I got punched in the face? right no uh, Yo, tell podcast. me that
2: story Yo, tell me oh that story. i
0: said it they're gonna make fun of me again on the podcast but i was it was one to eight right i was one on eight. Oh, okay yeah. and i was like uh and the guy comes up and he gives me a, a uh he's basically punching me in the face but i anyway, this. he says, that wasn't that bad i thought it would be far worse <laughs> it's really not that bad i'm telling you that's the best that's one of the best things that ever happened because you're always afraid to get hit in the face right <laughs> but when you finally get hit in the face by a vicious person right and you're like it wasn't that bad. You start, so around with your, you start walking around a lot freer. You see you a lot freer because it wasn't a big deal, right? Same thing. So, <laughs> when we want to talk about trust in Allah, tawakkul ala Allah is oftentimes used by the cowards, right? Mm. Let's mm. When, when we do something, let's use our creativity to see how this thing could go wrong mm. so we could do tawakkul and, and, and fill in those holes. They don't mm-hmm. see how it could go right and then rely on Allah if I fall off the cliff.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I hate to be redundant, but I, I and again, not to mail bash at anything, but I think young men, 16, 14, 15, up to the twenties, adolescence is getting into the thirties, I think now, but um, <laughs> young men, young Unless men. Unless they
0: and, don't block it.
1: <laughs> young
0: uh, puberty blockers. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yo, oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I just got that. <laughs> young men, like there's a, there is a problem with lack of motivation, Right lack of drive, lack of motivation. And I think what we're talking about here, you know, is really, really encouraging to young people in general. And, and it sounds cliche, everyone thinks it's cliche, but I mean it from the core of my heart, man. If you, if failure wasn't an option, what would you try? What would you go after? You know, like, and, and I know it sounds like, oh, you know, you are you coaching us, whatever? No, I, I truly feel that we have, the Prophet ﷺ in so many narrations has high, high aza'im. Yeah. You know, Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi wrote a whole like article on ulu al Himmah. Yeah. He writes a whole article on, he's like, I have been afflicted with Uluw al Himmah. What is ulu al Himmah? He's like, I want the best of everything. He wrote this wow. article. It's absolutely amazing. It's literally called ulu al Himmah. You can look it up by Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi. I believe it's Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi, not the other Jawzi, Ibn Jawzi. Ibn al Jawzi. It's Ibn al Jawzi, isn't it? Ibn I thought so. Yes, it's not Ibn Qayyim. Yeah, yeah. Match it uh, matches
0: with Ibn al Jawzi. Alu al
2: Himma matches with Ibn al Jawzi. Exactly. That's why. Right. But this is not Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi. This is Ibn al Jawzi. So those who want to look it up, I read this when I was a student. And you read it, and it's just about how he's like, whatever I study or read, I want to go all the way in that. And And maybe there's people that would, you know, uh, uh, nowadays, you know, someone who's a a specialist, a general specialist, they call them, right? Or something like that. Yeah. I just think it's important to encourage the, the, you know, people in general, you got one life, man, you got to really push yourself. Tawakkul is there for your ascension, not for like Dr. Shadi was saying, like, tawakkul on the back end of stuff. No, tawakkul up, yo, tawakkul up, tawakkul as you climb, man. And
0: yeah, I have a theory, and it's, it might sound disgusting to people, but I think it's really true. Uh, I think we were talking. I was on Alex yesterday, uh, the other day, about this, and I was saying that uh, so much human drive, right, is or human energy is driven by the desire for intimacy with a woman. Yeah, right? and I believe, but as a theory, if people are getting that out through pornography. Mm-hmm. It's deflating that energy. Right. Yep. And that may be why they simply don't care because why would they, they, they they've deflated that need for intimacy through a false intimacy that they just get whenever they want. Have you read Dr. Leonard Sachs on this or no, no. So
2: Dr. Leonard Sachs says there's two more aspects of that. One is that the financial burden too. There's no more financial burden on young men at all. Like, there used to be this thing, like, if you don't get the job, then there's no breadwinning in that family and you're not going to, and now it's like, no, she, she, she's, she's, well, she, she'll take care of it. Right. She's got yeah. it. So he mentions that these aren't mine. This is straight, straight from him. The third thing. So it's the uh, desire for uh, intimacy, the desire to be a breadwinner uh, and the tribe, the the sense of honor of the tribe. Yeah. You know, like I say to my boy, like I started doing this, I'd be like, yo, we we Smiths, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean we're Smiths, we don't do inshallah. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 I got it from I can't remember where I read it, whatever, but there's this kind of like fake. I'm making it up, whatever, but like honor to our name. Yeah. And I'm American, guys. I don't have no like, you know, like honor to my name. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Y'all, y'all feel me on that. I don't know if you know what I mean, but but I'm creating that with him. I'm like, yo, we're Smiths, we don't lie. No, if Sha we Allah. do anything.
0: We don't know oh, that's really, that's really, that's great. really good. One day he's going to come to you. He's like, but we create f- fake religions in Utah though.
1: <laughs> it's a different Smith.
0: <laughs> that's, that's the other
1: side of the family.
0: No, but so
2: there's a, there's this thing about, I can't be, I don't want to say a loser. That's a harsh word, but I can't be someone who doesn't strive because I'm putting Abe to my, my name and my family, but we've destroyed yeah. family. We destroyed any yeah. institution that you owe anything to, and we literally say you don't owe anyone anything. Yeah, you come into the world, and the moment you come in, everyone owes you everything, but no one owes anyone anything. It's kind of really a weird oxymoron, but anyways.
1: This um, yeah. uh, I, I agree a hundred percent with uh, Doctor Sachs's uh, analysis mm-hmm. there. I mean, one of the big things is, and you know, I'm ready for the hate mail. I don't care. Uh, the, f- the fact that men don't have to get married anymore has destroyed so much of what made society good. Mm-hmm. Like it, it used to be like you had to have a good job. It didn't have to be a, a, a master's degree and You had to have a good job, you had to be able to provide. And then a, a, a worthwhile woman would marry you and then you could have a relationship with her and build a family. Yeah. Now you're just doing right. whatever from like middle school. Yeah. yeah. So By the time you become an adult, you go, why would I even get married? I could live in my parents' house. They'll die. Eventually I'll inherit. I'll inherit the house. I don't have to even buy a house. I can play video games as much as I want and I can swipe on an app and, you know, do what I got to do and be back home in an hour to catch up with my boys. Yeah. Yep.
2: And, 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 so, and I, oof, this is heavy. We don't have time. Maybe we do. So one of the things I, I told you, like I'm working on the book on listening. Right. So one of the things I'm introducing is uh, Dunbar's social, uh, uh, uh Uh, Subhanallah, what's it called? Social mind theory. Social mind theory. This is crazy stuff, guys. So Dunbar basically has this theory that um, there's layered interaction levels, layered interaction levels of networks. We have a layered network. So basically, he says, like, you have a core group of your immediate family, right? And then he's like, multiply times three, it goes out a little bit. So you have like 15 people there. Then you multiply times three, that's another core group, all right? Then And he keeps multiplying until he gets to 5,000. And these are people who you know their face, but you don't know their name or something like that. This is interesting. He basically says that one of the reasons we, the human mind has grown and evolved to be so large is because we are a, a mammal that has a very complex a uh, 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 a very complex social system yeah any animal that has a smaller brain he's shown how they have partner hookup relationships this is crazy like reptiles they don't have lifelong partners it's hookup it's literally hookup culture so he <laughs> it's crazy like the studies are literally saying like A sign of the human evolution to having a large brain was our ability to have lifelong partners and intricate relationships and core groups of people. And so what we find interesting is people reaching into the furthest layer of associates and people for the deepest levels of intimacy Mm. and not providing intimacy uh, within the core groups. What do I mean by that? My little Qasim, who just came in, he needs me for intimate dialogue and discussion and wrestling and playing. But if I'm spending time on the external uh, uh, layers, then I'm neglecting that core unit. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, our discussion on uh, our discussion on listening and our discussion on the family, it goes back to understanding the needs of that core group. And now once you break away that core, I'm just a lone molecule, like just going around interacting with whoever's going to interact with me. I still need intimacy. So I'm a swipe right, which means I'm going to get the deepest level of intimacy in the most casual manner. And that is actually a sign of less evolved in their language, uh, creations or they would not say creations, but less evolved animals have that tendency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just mind blowing that you know these things are, are are studied and understood. And at the end of the day, it just makes you so grateful to uh, honestly to be a Muslim man. To Alhamdulillah. Have the Alhamdulillah for Islam. You know, it, it just makes you so grateful to just say La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah because again, we have the software, but we don't know we're still discovering the code. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know the the but, messenger of Allah, he's the messenger of the eternal. Uh, what will be learned for him is also eternal what will be gleaned from the messenger's sunnah will never end. Allahu Akbar. And you know that it, one of the i'jaz of the Qur'an is that you can never stop taking a benefit from the Qur'an because it's Allah's word, right? And it's, it's pre-eternal and it has his attributes mm. uh, because his kalam is his attribute. His messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa although is not his attribute, is his dalil, right? And therefore... So long as there are Muslims to take from the messenger, they will find what is a daleel to Allah ta'ala, through that messenger. Meaning, what is they're seeing in their own lifetime, they'll see it, the solutions for that uh, and the brilliance of that in the messenger. Allah Allah. Our The living sharh of the Qur'an. If he's the sharh of the Qur'an, and the Qur'an can never stop be discovering something new, therefore the sharh will always be also producing something new. Allah, right? SubhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. We kept you a long time. Uh, one, yeah, this was great. Alhamdulillah. And uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, inshallah, not the last time. After you're done with the book, let's do it again so that you maybe have some...
2: Yeah, We, we didn't even get into the topic. so I, it's
0: I know. Alhamdulillah. But this was really good stuff. This was really nice stuff. I excellent. think I, a lot of people will benefit from this. Thanks
2: for having me, guys. Jazakallah khair. Uh, to all the listeners, you know, keep good company. That means physical company or in just an environment of good words. alqaul, fayatabi'una asana. Those who listen to good words and follow that which is best. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what we do until we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So mm-hmm. listening to good podcasts, listening to good things here and there. I don't know if Dr. Shadi's on Clubhouse yet. <laughs> I have an
0: account. They asked me to make an account, but I never I, went on it.
2: I know, I know. I'm with you. I'm a conscious consumer of social media, conscious yeah. consumer. You know, yeah, you don't you don't bite on every hook they put into the, you know, yeah.
0: Frankly, on. to be honest with you, the graphics were not impressive. So uh <laughs> I look at the aesthetics and it tells me a lot about the makers, to be honest. That's that's true. That's right? true. <laughs> The graphics were bubbly and they were just, it didn't look like effort was put into it. So
2: <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. It's you, maybe yeah. that's another podcast, you know. Social yeah.
1: podcast. So, Sheikh uh look forward to the book. Please give our salams to Qasim and, uh, you know, get, put him in a leg lock for us.
4: <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Half Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> if, if he's still awake, he's going to get it. So.
0: <laughs> MashaAllah. All right, man. Go ahead. I raise my hands in the dead and asking God for better
5: love but he'll be there in the moment, his mercy's not equivalent, magnificent and infinite, مغفرة فهالنداء يزيل عني ما في قلبي آرام يا من تنا